Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, how's it going, guys? This is Zuby, of course, host of the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. And I wanted to drop a quick message here with a very quick and simple but important request. And this is that if you are someone who has been listening to this podcast for a long time, I would strongly encourage you to please support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Zuby Music. I'm looking to expand the podcast this year. I'm also going to be working on a lot of new music this year, releasing new singles and a brand new album. And if you're someone who enjoys and appreciates my work as an independent artist, I would massively appreciate if you could support me financially on Patreon. Now, by doing so, you're going to also get access to the Team Zuby community as well as other perks. We have a private chat group on Discord. So if you want to stay away from Twitter and all the wildness and craziness of social media and just be talking to like-minded people, including myself, then you can join that. You can become a supporter from as little as $2 a month, and you can join the Discord for just $5 plus a month. Please check it out. That's patreon.com forward slash Zuby Music, Z-U-B-Y Music. Would love to have you on board, and it'll really help me to grow. Thank you. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stunt me a destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Now, on today's episode, we've got on one of my favorite British political commentators. He's a man I share very much in common with, and this is the one and only Calvin Robinson. Welcome to the show. Zuby, what a kind introduction. Thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) Awesome. So we're going to have people who are listening to this all over the world. So for people who have not heard about you and don't know who you are, uh, tell them a little bit about you. Um, I'm a former school teacher um, slash assistant principal. Um, and I got involved in politics because my time in education taught me that left-wing people are into indoctrinating our young people in schools and there's all kinds of nonsense going on. And it seems to be happening in wider society. So I started to speak up and talk about what I saw and other people start to say they saw the same thing too and you know before I knew it I was commentating on a regular basis about what's going on in not just education but race relations in the UK and and faith and all these political issues. Awesome so before we get into everything that you're doing right now I'm really curious to learn more about your background I like to learn the backstory of my guests find out what it is that led them to where they are now so tell us a little bit about your your childhood, your life story, your growing up, how did you become the man that you are now? 
Oh, gosh. So I grew up in Mansfield, which is a little town in Nottinghamshire where everyone knows everyone. Um, I was one of, uh, one of the, uh, well, we were one of the first black families in the town. So that was an interesting experience growing up. Um, you know, I talk a lot about racism. And one of the things that people often accuse me of is saying that, you know, Calvin Robinson says that racism doesn't exist. He doesn't acknowledge racism. And I experienced so much racism in my, in my life. I'm mm-hmm. never, ever going to say it doesn't exist. Uh, people people just don't think I say, the, say it the right way or say what they want me to say about it. But yes, yeah, so I grew up in, in, a Mans- in Mansfield, um, former miners town, very working class environment. And I think that has led me to my conservative politics, to be honest with you, seeing, you know, how the welfare system fails people and it actually forces people to be dependent on the state. And I don't think anyone should ever be dependent on anyone. Mm. I, I, I believe in, you know, everyone contributing to society and working uh, for a living and just having meaning in their lives. And that's that's what employment does. And when people are stuck at home on benefits and dependent on, on handouts from a socialist government, that doesn't happen. Uh, so that's what led me to conservatism. And I ended up getting involved in the Conservative Party, um, stood for them a few times, and then ended up standing for the Brexit Party when I didn't think that the Conservatives were going to get it done. Thankfully, they did. Yeah. Um, and now I'm a free ranger, just giving advice to parliamentarians and politicians left, right and centre and trying to drag them towards the right and give <laughs> Conservative values a push back into the mainstream. Okay. When you talk about conservative values, what does that mean to you? Because I feel like these labels mean slightly different things to different people. And I think even depending on what country you're from, the majority of my listeners and followers are actually in the USA. So I think uh, conservative and liberal sort of mean different words to even an American than they necessarily do to a British person. I myself grew up in Saudi Arabia. My family background's from Nigeria. Again, I think, you know, a conservative in Saudi Arabia versus a liberal in Saudi Arabia is very different to the UK, very different to Nigeria, etc. So as a as a British man, what do you think being a conservative means? What are those values? Yes, good question. It, it is kind of a fluffy term these days. I think liberal is even more fluffy, but conservative mm. is just about hanging in there. Um, I, I talk about conservative values what i mean british values really and and when i talk about british values i mean christian values because that's where they come from let's be honest about it we're talking about um a strong stable family with two parents is the best start in life for a young person uh, if you want them to get the best education and best opportunities we're talking about um believing that there are you know two genders and that science is important and shouldn't be disregarded based on woke ideology uh, or mob rule uh, we, we're talking. We're talking about the belief that marriage means something, and that people should be committed to each other. And all of it, to be honest, comes down to to the family being the core unit of of our society. Yeah. W- would it be fair to, um, you know, obviously I'm I'm more of a conservative leaning person, but I would sort of hesitate to say that those are. Uh, I feel like it might be a little bit unfair to the liberal or the left side of the spectrum to sort of say that those things are explicitly conservative values because i think they're sort of sane values and i think if you look at what most people certainly what most people do rather than what they say and actually what they believe i think you know we've probably got i think 90 percent plus of people would agree on all of those things wouldn't they i mean i know we've got this weird woke ideology that's going on now but if i think of standard sort of reasonably liberal or left-leaning people i i don't think many of them would um i don't think any of them would deny the importance of 
family and stable homes and i don't even think and I, most of them don't believe that there are infinite genders or men can get pregnant or any of that stuff i think that's a lot of new age very fringe stuff which which is uh gaining gaining certainly gaining traction mm-hmm. but um i i don't think that's i don't think those are truly sort of mainstream views um so uh, is there any is there anything else you think that sort of more specifically would sort of separate us maybe the best way to put it what would separate a, a sane liberal from a sane conservative maybe oh good question so i think yeah. um duty responsibility uh, a liberal tends to think more individualistic uh in that we should have unlimited freedoms to the point of of um as long as you're not affecting anyone else you should be able to get on with your life which is which is a fair standpoint and i think a conservative would be more in favor of having those freedoms but also acknowledging the responsibility that comes with those rights and that we have a responsibility to each other and to our society and we have a duty to to each other um uh beyond our individual needs and wants so it's for me the difference between a conservative and the liberal is the difference between great britain and america so in america for okay, example their dream is the american dream is the pursuit of happiness mm. and i i think that's a quite i mean it's, it's going to sound a bit controversial but i think that's quite a selfish pursuit because happiness is a frame of mind but it's a very individual frame of mind i think far more important than your personal individual happiness is your contribution to society and i think that used to be the british way in that we used to look out for each other and we used to have each other's back and down to the small level of you know if you were a kid messing around um your your neighbor would have no fear in telling you off uh or if you were caught stealing you'd get you'd be in trouble by the shopkeeper and the local bobby the local police officer um community used to mean something and we were part of something larger than ourselves and i think that's where that's where religion often comes into it as well but it used to also be our british community or our local community we've lost mm-hmm. some of that um but yeah that, i think that's the difference between liberalism and conservatism as mm-hmm. i see it but also you're right in that most people in this country are small c conservative and that's not a left versus right thing you know you can be left wing and have conservative values as well as being right wing and have conservative values but it's just that we are the silent majority now and it's become you know the the liberal elite or the the woke or whatever you want to call them have become the very vocal minority which wouldn't be a problem if mainstream media weren't continuously perpetuating their angle and pushing that woke agenda on us constantly with this social justice warrior nonsense of, of like you say 99 genders and and all kinds of nonsense that people know in their core isn't true but they have to they have to get behind it and you know critical race theory is another one this whole I'm sure we'll get into it, but this whole idea that, you know, uh, me and you being brown are naturally oppressed in, in this country, whereas if we, ha- we happen to have been born white, we would have had privilege. And <laughs> we know it to be a nonsense. Yeah. Well, it, it sort of depends on the agenda. You know, on one day we'll be privileged when that fits the agenda. And then on the next one, we'll be deeply oppressed when that fit, fits the agenda. You know, I kind of the same. I've, I've tweeted before that the same people who call who insist that I'm privileged are the same people who insist that I'm oppressed. And I'm like, you know, I, I'm more willing to accept the first one than the latter, to be honest with you. <laughs> if someone says I'm privileged, I don't even I don't take that as some kind of slight. I, I, I'll i say it myself. I'm like, yeah, I'm very privileged, right? In terms in many, many ways. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think my duty and my responsibility is to use those privileges and advantages that I have to make the world a better place and to help yeah, and yeah. uplift other people, right? I'm not going to sit here and self-flagellate myself because I come from an intact family and my parents raised me well and that I didn't grow up in the ghetto and all that. And my parents worked very, very hard to provide me with that, right? I'm grateful for those things, right? Why would I 
you know, why would, why would I feel kind of some kind of shame or guilt around this? And I think we live in this weird time where people feel shame and guilt around things that they shouldn't or things they should even be proud of. And then um, they, people are also trying to remove shame and guilt from things that people do that perhaps they should not be <laughs> that yeah. they should not be proud of. It seems like certainly over the last 10 years, there's been this weird inversion going on. Um, a lot of the stuff you talk about, even using terms like woke and uh, social justice warrior, uh, critical race theory. I mean, literally less than 10 years ago, those terms didn't mean anything to anyone, to very I mean, few people. And so something's really shifted here. So what do you think is going on there? Even a couple of years ago, they probably wouldn't have meant anything to me. That's how... Mm rapidly this is all changing i think you know covid 19s had something to do with it because people are all stuck at home bored locked down and you know that's what kind of the catalyst behind the black lives matter riots was uh, and and riots that have happened since with extinction rebellion and, and people like that but what's happened i don't know where it's coming from to be honest with you but i do feel like we're we're at a crossroads now things are changing and the silent majority are becoming less silent and people are starting to stand up and say actually we've had enough of this nonsense now we gave you your airtime we let you get on with it we let you identify as whatever the hell you want to identify as but now you're pushing you're pushing those values onto me and that's not fair i i should have the right to live my life my normal life the way i see fit as well as you living your life and that, that's not what the the so-called liberals want anymore mm. what do you think is the greatest threat of all of that right now well, I think a lot of these movements are covers. So I've mentioned Black Lives Matter, Extinction Rebellion, um, Antifa. All of these are neo-Marxist movements uh, under false pretenses. What they want to do is destroy our way of life. They want to break down the evil capitalist system that we have. And, you know, I, I am a capitalist, but I don't think it's perfect. I just think it's the least worst option. But they want to break that down and implement their own communist system. They want to destroy uh, our way of life. But down to the family unit, we've, we've seen them talk about this, defunding the police, all these things that we hold dear and that kind of maintain a civilized society. And they think they'll build a utopia in, in its place. But we know that to be untrue. Anywhere that has tried to build a socialist system or a communist system has failed to, to provide any kind of security or happiness to the citizens within it. So why they keep chasing this ideology, this bonkers dream is beyond me, but that is the core of it. And they wrap it up in these pretty little layers of, you know, anti-fascist and anti-racist and all these things that sound really well-meaning. But at the core of all of these movements is a nasty neo-Marxist uh, anti-capitalist agenda. Why do they get away with it so easily? Why are people so easily duped by it? I feel like people like yourself and myself can see straight through it. But why is it so popular? Why are corporations, institutions, uh, it seems like everything, every institution, even large organizations and companies and even individuals that you would think, you know, there's a lot of organizations that I used to have a, a decent amount of respect for. And it yeah. seems like one by one, like dominoes, they're, they're, they've all just fallen. They're all just caving into this agenda. And it seems like rather than paying attention to what the vast majority of people think or actually believe, they're catering to a small group of a few thousand people on Twitter who are hiding behind avatars and yelling a lot. And yeah. it seems like they're that's what they're abiding by. Uh so why do you think they're why do you think they're getting away with this? Why why has it gained so much momentum? Well I think conservatives are naturally um 
you know, we naturally sit back and let people get on with their lives and let them do whatever makes them happy, as long as it's not really affecting us or, or wider society. But it's reaching a point now where it is affecting. And that's why people mm-hmm. like, like you and I are starting to stand up. But also that you mentioned the companies, they're just chasing the bottom line, aren't they? They're just chasing revenue. And if it helps them, if virtue signaling helps them sell products, of course they're going to do it. They don't really mm-hmm. care about Black Lives Mattering. They just want to stick that that banner on there and help sell some more what versions of whatever they're selling. It's, it's not about morals or ethics. It's literally yeah. about money. One thing I, I'm, I'm noticing, though, is it, it's interesting because to me, it seems to be a little bit deeper than that, because with a lot of these companies in particular, I mean, I generally agree that, you know, of course, a, a company's goal is to, to seek profit. And so yeah. a lot of what they do is based around trying to make money, which is fully understandable. Yeah. But in some of these cases, it seems like they are willing to lose money in fact, you know, there's that kind of saying, go woke, go broke, which isn't totally true. It seems to be a little bit uh, hit and miss, but it seems like they're very willing to actually sacrifice some of their own revenue potential in some cases to appease or appeal to, like we've said, what is a fringe minority, which is something that I've found extra bizarre because it seems like they're even there's there's an even deeper agenda there than just, okay, we just want money because if you wanted just money you would not want to alienate such a significant percentage of people and if you did it if you tried it and it didn't work i don't know why you double down i mean to to give a great example of this if you look at um if you look at hollywood okay so mm-hmm. when they've done these things or even if you look at industries like uh comic books or certain things where okay we're going to we're going to je- we're going to take a character who's very popular or we'll take a popular series and we're going to gender swap the characters yeah. right we're going to do all female ghostbusters or we're going to do all female oceans 11 or we're going to uh take this uh comic book character who's existed for 50 years and we're going to just make them black we're not going to explain yeah. it we're just going to make them a black guy whatever and it tends to backfire right it tends yeah. to backfire they tend to lose millions and millions of dollars on these projects and then they blame it on white men somehow and then they do it again and that's the part that's really weird to me because it's like okay you lost 20 million dollars on this project and so your next move is to okay it didn't work this time so let's do it again so even from a business even from a, a cold calculated business perspective i'm like mm, that's weird it's almost like the ideology is more important than the money and they're willing to sacrifice some money to push this ideology See, I've always thought of it from the angle that they're just afraid. And cancel culture is a is a real thing that really petrifies individuals and individuals run corporations. Mm. Uh, so when they see that the mainstream media are constantly peddling uh, woke ideas, they think, you know, we've got to jump on that woke bandwagon too. And I don't think they always do the research or the polling behind it. And, you know, they'll, they'll do whatever, change a character from white to black and we'll all groan and they'll lose money. But as far as they're they're seeing it, they're not getting cancelled out, and it, and we've seen what happens to companies like you know Chick Fil A that came over to the UK, and mm. companies that do get cancelled, they they lose a lot more revenue. I haven't seen many experiences. I haven't seen many instances of companies doubling down. But you know, I I do think that we can vote with our wallets, and and mm. the go work go broke thing has an impact. So if we see a company doing things we don't like, of course we should yeah. you know, stop stop spending money with them. Yeah, it's odd to me because I'm not even saying that, oh, you know, companies need to lean right or be conservative or whatever. It's like you can just be neutral. (laughs) You're you're a company, you know, I just want I want the ice cream. I want the shoes. I want to, you know, someone wants to watch sports. I want to watch a superhero movie. I I don't don't I don't I don't need to you don't I don't need you to tell me who to vote for or what to believe on this issue or whatever. Like 
you know, there's movies with political tones, there's things that have political tones, whatever. But I don't know. I mean, I th- feel like I remember, I think decades ago, Michael Jordan said this about his his partnership with Nike, right? And someone said, someone asked him about getting involved in politics. And he said, uh, Republicans buy shoes too, right? Yes. They, wa- yes. they wanted him to kind of take more of a stand. He's like, well, why would I want to exclude half of the, <laughs> say half of the American population? Yeah, that's the thing that I find, I find bizarre. Um, I mean, even with myself, like, you know, I, I run a business, but, and I have my own political leanings and my own religious beliefs, et cetera. And I'm open about it, but it's not like, okay, you must be, <laughs> you, you, you must be this thing to partake in this. Like, I, yeah. I don't care. Like I'll work with different people. I'll collaborate like whatever. It's not like, oh, you can only buy my book or you can only buy my music if you're conservative or libertarian. It's like, no, it's just for, it's for people. Like hopefully it can help everybody. And I, I feel like, again, not so long ago. That was just the general stance. You know, companies may have had, everyone has their political leanings, but it's not so in your face and on the nose and just sort of ramming it, ramming it down your throat. You know, I'm I'm in the world of arts and music and entertainment. Majority of people are liberal, right? You're from academia. Majority of people are liberal and that's fine, right? That in itself to me is not like any problem. You know, majority of uh, surgeons lean conservative, right? Like, fine like that's cool it doesn't matter but when you're when you start to demonize people or exclude people or even discriminate against people um that's when it raises the alarm bells for me and i'm kind of like hmm what's going on here so speaking of of discrimination um this is something that you you talk about a lot um i feel like yourself and myself are two people who probably in a in a in a more ideal world actually don't really like talking about race and racial issues (laughs) but because so many other people are obsessed with the idea and there's so much insidious stuff going on we're almost forced to take up that mantle and even speak in these terms of what's going on here so i've noticed over the past year i mean you you've you faced uh you faced a lot of gotten a lot of love a lot of praise a lot of criticism for lots of your appearances that you've been making especially on british mainstream media so Tell us a little bit about what that's been like for you. So I think you're absolutely right. You know, I always said when I entered politics, I would never talk about race because I don't want to be the token black guy or the token mixed race guy or whatever. It's it's not an important part of my identity. My, the color of my skin means very little to me. Mm. Um, it, it's you know, I'm I'm proud of my British culture. I'm proud to, proud of, the, of my English mother and my British Jamaican father. But it, the the color of my skin means very little. Uh, the reason I talk about it so much at the moment is because I feel like I have a duty to, because I'm able to say things that other people aren't. And I'm sure you, you can familiarize with that. Um, in that if we say things, people don't automatically assume that we're racist. But if the, if a straight white male says something that, that we've said, they, they can be cast out and ostracized from society. Mm. And it, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, this idea that we've kind of changed the meaning behind racism now. And it, it is a case of white people are racist naturally whether it's overtly or covertly or institutionally or systemically they're all they are racist mm. and black people are cannot be racist because they are victims that need to be looked after by the white person and it, it, there's so many dodgy clauses in this that the white person can never be removed from the racism they always have that guilt but then if they try to improve the situation they're white savior or they're, they're they've got the white guilt going on or, or if mm. they don't try to improve the situation then it's because they're they're covering up their racism and likewise from the black perspective there's nothing we can do to no longer be a victim and if we say that we're not a victim if we say that we're not oppressed then we are 
further helping the evil white man. Uh, you know, we've been wheeled out or we're shills or we're coconuts or Uncle Tom's or whatever. It's like, surely we can look at people as individuals again and remove the color of their skin from the scenario and think, what does this person believe? Why do they believe it? Or just hear them out and not just assume that they have to believe certain things because of the way they look. It, it doesn't make any sense to me because it's not how I was brought up. I don't know. You know, I, I was taught about equality and that, that everyone has their own personal experiences. Everyone has their own struggles in life. Uh, we don't know what's going on in people's lives. So we have to be kind to them because, you know, a, a small struggle for us could be a big struggle for someone else. Yeah. And, and that isn't always affected by the color of their skin. So we don't know what's going on in people's lives. And we should just, you know, be nice to each other, treat each other as equals and not get wrapped up in this race war that's kind of sparked out of nowhere. And I think there is something more devious going on. I think, again, this mm. is this is the neo-Marxist. This is the, the hard left pushing this narrative because it's a form of control. And when, they, when they're telling us, you know, Joe Biden telling us that if you don't vote Democrat, you ain't black. And Jeremy Corbyn telling us that Labour will unlock our potential as ethnic minorities. That is them saying that you need us. We are here for you. You need to vote for us because we will look after you. We'll protect you. We'll support you, encourage you, whatever. And actually, I don't need them. I don't need anyone. Um, I, I will vote based on the policies that I see are going to better improve society for everybody, not just me or based on the color of my skin. And it's, I think a lot of people think like that. But for some reason, the hard left have taken hold of the reins of this identity politics narrative and run with it. Yeah, I have a little theory on this. And this is something I've, uh, I don't know how much I've spoken about this, but you know, people like to throw around these terms, institutional, structural, and systemic racism. And I generally don't believe that these things in the in the modern era in the UK exist very strongly to the degree that a lot of people on more left-leaning especially would like to say. However, to sort of flip it on its head, I feel like some of the stuff you've been talking about and some of the stuff you experience and some of the stuff I experience, I'm like, Wow, maybe that's the real systemic or institu institutional mm -hmm. racism, right? The real systemic racism is that if you ex if you just say your true feelings or you express your own political opinions or your own beliefs or whatever due to the color of your skin, number one, there's this expectation of you. And number two, if you do not meet this expectation, if you don't meet this little caricature of what a black man is supposed to be and what they're supposed to believe, you know the names you're going to get, mm. right? So I'm like, hmm, is that the real systemic racism? Okay, I'm a hip-hop artist. I'm a rapper. In hip-hop and rap, some people consider the kind of music I make to be corny or not real. Why? Because I'm not rapping about all the stereotypical BS that they want a black man to be, right? They either want, you can be two things, right? They want you either rapping about the struggle and decrying racism, or they want you perpetuating this thug, gangster stereotype. And if you're not in one of those two boxes as a hip hop artist or as a musician, as an entertainer, right, they're going to cast you out. They want you to be a victim or they want you to be a thug. And I'm like, yeah. hmm, maybe that's the real institutional racism, right? Maybe that's the institutional. You, you see what I mean? It's like, yeah, okay, why, why are there these caricatures, right? If I were a, just a white guy, if you were a white guy, no one's going to make huge assumptions about our politics. People aren't going to call us very derogatory, racially based insults. If yeah. you say, oh, I'm a liberal or I'm a conservative or I'm a libertarian, whatever, they'll just be like, okay, cool, I get it. Maybe if you're conservative, they might call you racist these days, but um, it's not going to be, oh, you're, you're a race traitor or, you know, they don't even have the same mm. words, right? And, mm. and, and they certainly wouldn't be getting it from other, other white people. 
right? I'm sure both you and I know that a lot of the venom that you get for being um, a a melanated conservative (laughs) is uh, is gonna come from other other black people, right? Like the the most vicious, the most vicious and most like blatantly whoa, like that. It's gonna come from that and. That's like that's really really weird to me. It's it's blown my mind, and it's something I've seen for decades. Actually, even when mm-hmm. I was a teenager, I was always like, "Why do the, why do you want me? Why do you want me to be oppressed? Like, why do you yeah. want me to experience all this awful racism? And yeah. why do you want me to feel this struggle and to feel like I'm lesser and to believe in white supremacy and to believe in white and, and believe in white privilege? Like, why do you get mad at me?" When I say, no, white people aren't advantaged over me, like, that's nonsense, right? That angers some people, right? What do you mean you're not oppressed? How dare you? And I'm like, hmm, okay, uh, maybe this is the real, <laughs> these are the real systems and structures of trying to keep black people down, but it's not yeah. in the way and it's mm-hmm. not being propagated by the people who uh, people think it is. I don't know yeah, um, about that. No, absolutely. And I've been struggling with this, like, how do we open their eyes? If I say, you know, I'm... In the past, I've worked for the Conservative Party. I've said, you know, I believe in fiscal responsibility and, you know, I've promoted austerity and things like this. And uh, because I think this is the best approach for our country and to get us out of financial difficulties. But having that opinion is not okay. It's not in a part of the approved narrative. And in in their eyes, I'm a traitor to my race. Um, And I'm trying to open their eyes and say, well, why is that? What is it about my race that means I have to vote Labour? rather than conservative and and why do i have to like you say paint myself as a victim and i think i'm coming around to the idea that actually this is an excuse because in their lives are not where they want them to be they're not happy in themselves and they don't want to see other people who look like them achieve success or achieve happiness in their lives so they want to hold everyone else back hold everyone else down uh, to the same degree therefore they can use it as an excuse to say yeah well the reason i haven't gotten where I wanted to get in life is because I'm black and this is a racist country. It's, the system mm-hmm. is against me and it's holding me back. Whereas actually it's, it's not. Uh, we have equal opportunities in this country and if, these, if everyone worked hard, they could uh, at least have a good chance at achieving success. Uh, yeah. So I'm starting to think actually the victimhood mentality is an excuse for their lives. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a permanent alibi. That's what I call yeah. it. It's a permanent alibi and I believe people get angry when you remove it because it's like a, it's like a safety blanket. Yeah. And suddenly you then have to look yourself in the mirror and take full responsibility for your own life and your long-term out- outcomes. And a lot of people don't like that. You know, well, a lot why, of people don't like that. That's why they'll take our success away from us and say, you know, you didn't you didn't get where you are because of what you're saying. It's because the white man let you or they're wheeling yeah. you out. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're promoting you for their cause. And that's why yeah. they'll take it. They'll take all your credit away from you because mm. it, it helps their argument. Mm. They'll go as far as saying you're, you're a white supremacist yourself or you're a white supremacist yeah, yeah. adjacent or you're <laughs> I mean, I would have thought, I mean, a couple of years ago when I started seeing black and jewish people being called nazis and you know seeing black people being called white supremacists and people floating away around ideas such as multiracial white super i was like okay so so you'd rather believe that this black person is a nazi or a white supremacist than just accept that maybe they have a different view because they just have a different (laughs) because they have a different view like that's how warped some people's mindset is right they're so fixated on this one idea that they can't just be like hmm okay you know no matter what no matter the info that's coming in the outcome has to be 
uh, white supremacy. You're, you're sort of seeing in this, I don't know how much you're keeping abreast of what's happening in the USA now, but, you know, they're even having, I don't know, um, a black person attacks or kills another black person in a city in the USA. They'll somehow find a way to blame white supremacy. Yeah. And uh, a black person kills an Asian person. They blame white supremacy. An Asian person <laughs> kills a white person. They blame white supremacy. And I'm just like, this is unbelievable. How is it that no matter what the input to this equation is, your output, your answer always is somehow this is white people's fault, especially those white men. And it's really, really bizarre to me. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's so strange. And one of the things I, I do really find weirdest is, I know we, we, we mentioned this before, but just how how aggressive and upset people get when a, a black person like myself or yourself or anyone else just does not embrace this victimhood narrative. And do you know what's even more funny about it is I can guarantee you, because we we are both public figures who have large online followings and make public appearances. I can guarantee you that we have both experienced more racism than 99.9% of people in this world, (laughs) right? Especially online, right? We have both been the victims of all of this, right? Which which is why it's even funnier when people are saying stuff like, oh, Zuby, are you saying racism doesn't exist? Oh, Calvin, you're saying racism doesn't exist. It's like, dude, like... Do you want to see my DMs? Do you want to see some of the messages I have received from people? Like you can see this all. My point isn't that that that's that's never been my point, right? No one is saying something totally doesn't exist, but we're even showing our own resilience and the fact that ha, you can call me that and I'm gonna keep winning, buddy. Like I'm gonna <laughs> like exactly. I, I, yeah, you know, I'm I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep going, I'm gonna keep on winning. And it's like people don't want you to have that resilience they want it to cut yeah. really deep they want it to uh you know that's why they even say these names because they think okay that is the one word i can call you that's gonna take you down a peg and when we, we just shrug it off it makes people even more angry and so when did this flip do you think because when i was growing up we used to joke about you know oh they, they think we all look alike and they think we're all the same and it, suddenly it's flipped to black people assuming that we are all alike and we are all the same. And if we're not, mm. then we're, we're breaking the we're breaking the rules somehow. So it's it's gone from the racists thinking that, that black people are all alike to black people thinking that black people are all, all alike. And I don't know when that happened. Mm. It's a it's a good question. I mean, I think in the USA it's been like that for decades and decades. Um, I think in the USA that sort of mentality goes back back to the I don't know the 30s, the 40s, etc. Um, and it's a little. Maybe it's a it's a little bit more understandable there. It doesn't mean it's right, far from it. But it's I, I can kind of get it a bit more given given the history of Black Americans, especially you know those who descended from slaves. So, mm. and you know the fact that things like you know uh, of course slavery, but then you know Jim Crow laws and segregation and all that kind of stuff yeah. was you know more recent history than. Some of these, you know, in in the UK, the history in the UK is a a little bit different. So I feel like in the USA, I mean, a lot of these terms that I I think a lot of these terms have actually been co-opted from the US as well. Yes. Um, Yes. You know, these these are even, you know, things like I I don't know if I'll get my video demonetized for even saying them, despite. (laughs) I know what you mean. uh, Yeah. um, Mm C-O-O-N, house, house, Negro, um, you know, Uncle Tom. Like these are American. These are American terms. So I think that British people, just a bit like the N-word, right? British Mm. rappers didn't really used to use the N-word. They didn't used to use it. 
that's something that they they borrowed and sort of took from the USA. And yeah. I'm a big fan of the USA in many ways, but um, I feel like in the UK, we 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 like to take the worst stuff from America. And I I don't, <laughs> I don't understand this. I feel like there's a lot of cool stuff from the USA that uh th- that we could we could bring over to the UK, but they seem to want to import. Uh, so we've imported the N word. We've imported um, critical race theory. We've imported uh, this woke ideology. All of this stuff that's really coming from the states, and um, I don't know. We're not we're not getting the cool stuff. I detest this Americanization, and it really is Americanization. We're adopting all of their dramas and bringing them over here. When we have people on British streets shouting "defund the police," uh, <laughs> let's stop stop shooting black kids in the streets. It's like this is not happening over here. Yeah. What is going on? And I think that you know it comes from a lack of of black identity and black culture in Great Britain because we we haven't had that. We've never had that. You know, people in in the UK have been British. Doesn't matter where you come from, what colour you are. And in America, they have a very different system. Like you said, they've got a different history with with their race relations. In fact, they haven't had equality that long in America. If we look at exactly, and so of course they've got more um, division going on and more. Um, issues to mm. to battle through but when we adopt their drama and bring it over here, it doesn't translate it doesn't make sense and, no. and what i would like to see uh, coming from what we were just discussing a minute ago is more equality as well i hate this idea that it's acceptable for certain people to be racist but not for others mm. i think it should be equally unacceptable for everyone to be racist Agreed. and we need to think of a way of opening people's eyes so those words you just mentioned that i won't repeat that we get called all the time if a white person called us then they would they would be cancelled they'd yes, lose their job yes. they could even go to jail but for a black person or an asian person to call us those names it's acceptable and okay and that's mm. i don't like that i need to we, we all need to think of a way of saying actually what you're doing is racist and you yeah. need to stop because you you don't actually realize that you're saying you're anti-racist and you're trying to fight racism with racism it doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense yeah i think you know the, the i don't like to use the term the left but the left has been very slick in redefining that word as well as several yeah. others to sort of meet their arguments but even with me i'm like look you can i'm not even going to be pedantic on the definition someone wants to use right because it's like Mm -hmm. look if you want to say oh there's a difference between racial being racially prejudiced and being racist like i don't really care about those semantics right it's like it, it comes down to the same thing if you are uh hating someone or mistreating them or bullying them or harassing them or calling them names based on their skin color that is bad Right. I'm not going to get caught up in this argument of like, oh, let's debate for an hour what the definition of racism is. It's like, look, you're you know, you're not this is not good. Right. This is an act of evil. Right. It's it's not Mm. it's not moral. It's immoral. It's bad. And if we're going to have this equality, we need to actually have equality. And there's so much stuff that um, I don't know. I I feel like people sort of mean well by certain things, but it actually actively prevents equality. So. Yeah. On the subject of what you were talking about, so this this whole concept of there being um, protected classes, yeah. right? How can there be protected classes and also equality? Yeah, right. Cool. I've said before. Do you want do you want equal treatment or do you want special treatment? Because, yeah. right, they're they're mutually exclusive. Do you want equal treatment or do you want special treatment? This this goes for men, women. White people, black people, brown people, yeah. straight people, gay people, trans people. Do you want equality or do you want special treatment? And people like to say the word equality, but actually they really, really want special treatment and yes. special protections, right? They want to be able to 
say certain things and get away with it because they're part mm -hmm. of a protected class and mm -hmm. they'll use their weird sort of Marxist lingo to say that, oh, well, I'm punching up rather than down and, you know, I can't be racist or I can't be sexist because, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a black woman. It's impossible for me to be racist or sexist, right? Because there's the patriarchy and men are in power. And so I'm speaking truth to power. And they use this, all this lingo and very few people want to just call out the BS <laughs> yeah, I mean, and just say, is, no, you know, no. This is why I think we should abolish the Equalities Act because all of these protected characteristics are doing exactly what you said. It's offering people special treatment and that builds resentment because mm. nobody wants to be seen as different to everyone else, really and truly. And I think you actually hit the nail on the head with when you brought up um, good versus evil because what people are doing is is evil. You know, being, being racist towards another human being is evil. It's bad. It's yeah. morally bad. Uh, but the problem is they've got their own moral code now. And this is why I come back to Christian values or British values, or conservative values, all the same thing in my eyes, mm -hmm. because we have a strong Christian moral code. We know what's good and we know what's evil or bad. Whereas with the, the woke critical race theory, identity politics, whatever you want to label them, they have their own moral code, which is either you're with us or you are bad. And that's why we are all fair game to them. They can say or do whatever they like to us because in their eyes, we are evil uh, mm -hmm. just for not subscribing to the same uh, principles as them. That is their, that's as far as their moral code goes. It, it's not that saying these words is bad. It's just not being part of their club is bad. Yeah. And I don't want to join their club. So, so. <laughs> so where does it, where do you think it, uh, where do you think it all goes? Where do you think it goes? I know uh, we're both doing our bit as, mm -hmm. as well as we can um to push back against what we feel is the decay of society or inversion of morality and just yeah. you know dangerous things that are happening um uh again you know linked to what we were saying what that also leads to is it, it does lead to genuine uh genuine bigotry right yeah. so for the past few years as we can see it's been it's been pretty trendy pretty popular to just hate on white guys Right. Just hating on white people in general or especially hating on white men. Man, you can get a lot of likes on social media for, you know, going going after white men and saying oh, something yeah. that if you said literally about any other group or demographic, yeah. you you you'd probably get kicked off social media. In fact, yeah. right? I've seen stuff tweeted about, you know, white people in general or white men. I'm like, yo, if if that was said about Jewish people, Asian people, black people, women, gay people, like that person's account within 20 minutes twitter moderators you're mm. gone you're gone but it's somehow yeah. like oh well you know uh white i've even seen i've even seen a thing where uh you know someone reported something like this and the response i don't think this was from twitter specifically but the response was literally something about how um you know white people and men are not part of a protected class and so therefore the complaint was dismissed and I'm like, wow, okay, so this is literally, <laughs> this is this is some new sort of woke form of Sharia law or something where your identity is all that matters here. It's not what you do. It's not what you say. It's not your actions. It's not your words. It's just, okay, you're a member of this group. You're a member yeah. of this class, et cetera. And then also, it must be funny for someone like yourself because you know you're you're, you're also you're also you're also mixed race, right? Yeah. I, I, I feel I feel like people who are multi multiracial. I don't even like the term because we're all one race. People who <laughs> are from like different ethnicity, right? There's they're sort of caught in this weird crossfire where everyone's talking mm. black and white and black and white and black and white, and it's kind of like um, there are other people. <laughs> 
<laughs> there's also other human beings here who don't sort of strictly fall into one of these things. But this is the problem with intersectionality, isn't it? Because you have to strictly fall into one of these categories. And if you don't, they don't know what to do with you, which is why they always yeah. call me black. They, they, they disregard half of my family, half of my heritage, half of my skin color, half of everything, because mm -hmm. it doesn't work for them. And this is probably why I get so offended when people are racist to anyone, because I, you know, I've got white members of my family yeah, and yeah. black members of my family. They don't as do, as do I. experience <laughs> racism. As, as do I. But to get to your point, you know, it's tiring. And I, I don't, I think I can fight this this racism battle forever. I want to improve education in this country. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm an educationalist. I want to write about education and faith and important issues that affect everyone. I don't want to keep talking about race all the time. I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. I, I just want equality. That's all I want. And I think to get there, we have to lobby. Well, you mentioned Twitter, for example, the social media companies. Why is why Twitter is it okay for someone who is black to racially abuse me, but if it's, if someone white racially abuse me, they'd be banned. That's not okay. That's not equality. Uh, that mainstream media are just as bad as this in the way they report things. The law is bad with this. I don't support hate crimes, but if we're going to have them, it needs to be the same for everyone. And if it's not, we need to get rid of it. Uh, and so we need can to you, lobby. Can, can you explain that? Because I think I probably hold the same position on you as this hate crime definition thing. But can you explain what you mean when you say you don't? Um, I, I think you said you don't support hate crimes. I, I think. Yeah. I don't, I, no, I, I don't think I don't. anyone supports. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think you mean you don't support the the delineation of hate crimes being a separate thing. Is that what you mean? No, I don't support the idea that something you say can be a crime. Oh, okay. I don't think I don't think hate is a crime. Oh, I, I see what you mean. Okay, I, I support free speech. So, I, so as much as I hate being called or I dislike being called these horrible names, mm -hmm. I think either everyone can call me them equally or no one can call them me at, at all. But okay. I don't think it's a criminal offense to call someone these names. Okay, so you're talking about the concept of hate speech rather yeah. than uh, sorry. When you said a hate crime, I thought you meant you know a violent attack based on someone's race or their gender. Oh no, no. So uh, yeah. An actual violent crime, and I mean, you know, physical violence, not this made up words okay. of violence. Uh, an actual physical violence, a violent crime should be criminal, a criminal offense, as should mm -hmm. be inciting violence. But actually using words should be free speech, and we should support free speech in this country. And what's happening in Scotland with the hate crime bill, whereas if you say something offensive in your own home, you can be arrested for it. That is absolutely ridiculous and very, very scary. Yeah, very dystopian, man. I mean, we're slipping yeah. into a very weird time. We The past year has been... Very strange on multiple levels because we've had all of this stuff which was already existing mm. and concerning us. And then on top of that, you've had the whole pandemic and the response to it, which I think perhaps for the first two weeks, we sort of had this we're all in it together kind of thing. And I think for a, a brief moment, I was thinking, hmm, maybe this could uh, put a little lid on some of this culture war stuff and people will actually remember what's important and, you know, kind of unite a little that was clearly wishful thinking. Uh, people now just have even more categories to yeah. divide people, <laughs> to divide people up by. So how do we get out of this mess? Well, just flipping the conversation, stop focusing on the things that divide us and focus more on the things that unite us. And I think the British um, country has lots of those things. So America only has their flag and they all, they love their flag and they get behind their flag, fair play to them. But we have the sovereign, we have the queen, Her Majesty the Queen, and we have the fact that we are all subjects of Her Majesty the Queen. And that has, that, there's something special about that. But we also have our national religion, whether you are Christian or not, there's lots of cultural capital that comes from Christianity and lots of core, like I talked about our moral values earlier, there are lots of core things that come from that faith that we can all get behind. And British values, as intangible as they are and hard to describe as they are, we recognize them when we see them. So just 
clinging onto the British culture and supporting and promoting that rather than focusing on our immutable characteristics as the way forward. And just closing down the conversation on our immutable characteristics, let's, I mean, I know it's paradoxical for me to say this and for me to say it to you especially, but let's stop talking about race. Mm-hmm. And let's start talking about the things that are important to us, like our educa- education and faith and, and all the rest of the stuff in politics. Like, is Scotland going to leave the United Kingdom? That's a big issue. Um, <laughs> I don't. If Meghan Markle does something, or you know, someone in high profile does something, I want to be able to criticize them without people saying, "Well, you can't because of the color of their skin." It's the color so of people's crazy. skin means nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so nutty. It's very very nutty. Um, why do you think it is? This is something that's going on in the USA as well, but it's certainly in the UK. Why is it that people feel this shame or guilt around their own? their own national identity, right? There's, again, there's this self-flagellation thing of, you know, there's a lot of British people who are uh, very hesitant to even put up a British flag, right? If you put up a Union Jack uh, on your house, on your car, on your desk, behind, you know, on your wall, or uh, an England flag, right? It's somehow, oh, (laughs) this person is a a far right, uh, you know, a white supremacist, or they're clearly a racist or whatever. And that exists to a degree. The USA, they're still more proud of their flag. I know there are some people on the, especially on the far left, who don't really like the US flag. But why is it that in these countries in particular, um, there's so much guilt and shame and just weirdness around actually being proud to be British or being proud to be American or whatever? Why is it? Why can't someone just do that without this sort of insinuation that? they're somehow a bad person. Because if you go to other countries, even other countries in Europe, or you travel around Africa, Asia, other places, you see flags everywhere, people feel, you know, the sense of national pride, etc. And look, every country has done its dirt, right? And, and I'm, I would never make light of the yeah. awful things that have happened in British history, American history, any country's history, every country's history, as far as it seems, like anyone that I've done any minor research on, it looks like they have some really dirty, dark stuff in their in their past, right? But I don't know. There's something in in the British mentality which is like, I don't know, a, a well, little bit. I don't know, a little bit self hating, anti patriotic. I don't really know what, what where it comes from. So it's in our culture. We've always been understated, and that's another major difference between the UK and the US. In that the US are, you know, they'll, they'll big themselves up, they'll play their own trumpet, and that's USA. part of their culture. USA. That's USA. exactly. USA. But we wouldn't do that. That's crass in England. We, you know, we would look down on Moses at that kind of behaviour, and I think rightly so. But it's gone too far the other way now. In that it's mostly our academics and our in- intelligentsia that kind of are looking down their noses at anything British. And the idea that the flag, our national flag or flags could be a racist symbol is it's ludicrous. And we need to reclaim our flags. You know, the Union flag isn't as bad or seen as bad as the, the St. George's uh, yeah. cross. But what what is it about it? It's, it's just this, you know, it is this white guilt to use one of their own terms against them. This idea that, you know, we have had, um, you know, we were one of the most influential countries in the world. We were very prominent uh, the British Empire, you know, had an impact on a global scale, and for some reason, people feel guilty about that, even if their ancestors had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, and it's this idea that we need to look at ourselves only through a negative lens. And I, I keep bringing this up, and people call me for, for right, right wing or far right for saying it, but the British <laughs> Empire wasn't all bad. 
we, yeah. we spread de parliamentary democracy around the world, probably the best thing we've ever done. Um, we, we spread the idea of charities, hospitals, uh, Christianity, education, railways. Uh, we did a lot of good around the world. Yes, the empire did a lot of bad too, mm -hmm. but history should be looked at holistically. And just, just to shine a negative light on things, is it's not realistic and it doesn't help anyone. No one, no, most other countries around the world don't look at themselves through this lens and think, oh, aren't we evil, aren't we bad? And yeah. I get we, sh we should always be critical, self-critical, of course, mm -hmm. because we, we don't want to, you know, we don't want the rise of fascism or anything like that. But people don't even understand what that means anymore. People think that we have a, you know, a fascist government and and that you know even I've, I've said they're doing totalitarian things and draconian measures that i don't believe in but it's, it's not fascism we can vote them out yeah. uh like you know they're calling donald trump a fascist dictator he's literally the opposite <laughs> of a dictator he's been voted out of office people are throwing these terms around till they no longer mean anything mm, yeah and another thing that's really interesting that's been happening is there's just a lot of cognitive errors that are happening mm. i don't know if it's the perhaps it's the rise of like social media Oh, thank you. Perhaps <laughs> it's the rise of social media, which has sort of shortened people's attention spans and um, allowance for nuance and um, willingness to sort of everything's there's just so many false dichotomies with yeah. everything. It's you're either this. If you're not this, you must be this. Yeah. Right. If you don't believe this, you must believe the, the total opposite. And it's it, it's just very lazy, very lazy thinking. Mm. Right? We all know in the real world when we talk to people. People have, uh, you know, we're even when even when you use terms like right or left or conservative or liberal, most people, virtually everybody, it's it's, yeah. it's actually hard to meet someone who's like conservative on everything yeah. or someone who's liberal on everything. Right. Even even someone who calls himself a progressive is conservative on a lot of things because they just work and you want yeah. to conserve and preserve things that work. You don't want to literally change absolutely everything because that would be insane. And someone who's conservative, it doesn't mean that, okay, you literally want the world, you want to take a snapshot of where the world and the, every system and everything is and where society is right now, and you never want anything to change. You want the education system to stay exactly the same. You want the political system to stay exactly the same. You want people to be treated exactly as they're all being, like, no one is totally all these things, right? I can be, um, I mean, I would actually say that there are issues I would never define myself as a progressive because it would confuse people. But, you know, there are issues I could say I am progressive on, right? I'd yeah. say I'm progressive on education, not in right. the sense that I think that we should be teaching kids <laughs> critical race theory oh, and yeah. getting them to hate themselves, but in the sense that I think the system is very outmoded and outdated. And it was based on a time where you were really gearing up kids to go work in factories or to go do manufacturing jobs and whatever. And now we're living in this time with the internet and social media and automation is coming down the pipeline and all of this. And I'm like, yo, we're doing all these children a big disservice if we don't prep them for that. Or um, the fact that even the way the workplace has been going, maybe this is one positive change that's going to come out of what's happened in the past year is for many, many years, um, I've always thought that uh, so many things in the corporate environment or the typical office nine to five work are extremely inefficient and don't make sense, right? How many billions of hours are wasted by people just sitting in traffic commuting every week, right? Like every millions and millions of hours wasted time, all this pollution, all of that. I'm like, I'm quite progressive on that. I'm like, why yeah. don't you make it so that people, if you don't need to go into the office, you can work from home, right? All of that. So like to, on those sort of things, I, I'd say I'm, I'm quite kind of like progressive in a sense. Yeah. And then there's other stuff that I'm like very, very conservative on. There's stuff I'm kind of in the middle on, et cetera. And most people yeah. are like that to varying degrees, but 
people just want to throw you in this real quick box. Just, okay, you're this. I'm going to just chuck this label on you. And that's it. And I can understand the desire to do that for us to sort of simplify the way we see the world as human beings. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to any sort of important conversation or important issue, it's, it's really not useful at all. It's just not real life, is it? I mean, no. you and I probably agree on a great many things when it comes to race, but everything you just said about education, I couldn't disagree with more. And we could probably send, we could probably send another hour talking about <laughs> our ideas around education. But that's okay. the beauty of real life, isn't it? Yep. That's true diversity of thought and opinion. And just because we both happen to be black and ethnic minority doesn't mean yep. we agree on everything. And that's what people and, don't seem to and, accept. And it. if we disagree on something, I don't assume it's because you're evil or because you <laughs> exactly. someone or because or you, because you want to kill the children. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we both want young like, people to succeed in life, <laughs> but we have different ideas about how to go about it. Exactly, exactly. Um, I'd, I'd be curious to know what what your thoughts are um, on that, actually, because I know you're a former you're a former teacher. Um, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on how the education system should be, or what they're doing right, or what they're doing wrong, etc.? How could that be improved? Well, I think education, first and foremost, we have to say that education isn't about getting jobs. So it's not about preparing people for factories. It's not about preparing people for new modern jobs in, with co computing and social media and stuff. It's literally about passing on our culture and our knowledge and the best there has been to the next generation. And, and, and that is, to me, that's what conservatism is about. It's about you know, conserving that knowledge and that culture. Um, and the, the best way to pass on knowledge is to have an expert in a room dictating that, that knowledge to a row of attentive young people. So having a subject matter expert, the teacher at the front of the room, uh, telling the kids what the knowledge is, getting them to regurgitate it uh, and repeat it, and then examine them on the, on the facts and see how much they've retained and then adjust your teaching accordingly. Uh, it's, it's very traditional. It's very old fashioned, but it works. Mm. And, and that is how, you know, it's not, not about getting kids to pass exams, but that's how you get kids to to get a grasp of all of this knowledge and understanding that we know that they need to have mm -hmm. and get those results as a, well, as a result of that, they are, exam results are a byproduct, not the end game. Education is an end in and of itself. It's so important that we remember that uh, because we have, we do have a utilitarian approach to education quite often. I think, well, what's the best way of getting kids to get, you know, the latest jobs and what about jobs that don't exist yet is what we often hear as teachers. Mm -hmm, and it's, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't help anyone really because, you know, by the time they get through school and through university, those jobs would have changed again anyway. And it's, it's and, and the kids might have changed their minds, courses might have changed. It's it's not really a realistic mm -hmm. approach. What do you think are some things? So I, I know my answer to this, but what do you think are there? Are there some things that you think kids should be learning that they're not? And if so, what are they? I actually think the curriculum is very broad, very balanced. It's fantastic. Um, one of the reasons I became a teacher was Michael Gove's initiatives in 2014. And, you know, having this really knowledge-rich curriculum, got rid of a lot of coursework, a lot of fluffy subjects, and focused on core essentials. Um, you know, people often say, we should teach kids this, we should teach kids that, we should teach kids about taxes and and this and that. And but we do teach kids really good maths. And if you have really good maths, you should be able to do your taxes. Uh, and all these ideas that people come up with and say, this should be in the curriculum, that should be in the curriculum. We have a finite amount of time with kids. So if we wanted to introduce anything else to the curriculum, we have to take something away. So if people are going to tell me what should go in the curriculum, they also need to tell me what needs to come off it. Mm -hmm. and, and very few people are willing to do that. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I think we we definitely disagree on that one. Because yeah, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I think um, I, I think that schools don't prepare. I mean, I, I often say that two things, I mean, 
there's more than two, but two things you're absolutely going to have to deal with in the real world are um, health and money, right? And I think that the schools, you know, in a perfect world, I think, look, these things should kind of be, should should come from your parents and your family, your society, et cetera. But yeah. the reality is in general, they're not. And a lot of parents are also terrible with health and terrible with money. And so, uh, you know, unless you're very lucky, you don't really get that. And I feel like, I, I don't know, I, it blows my mind that people are, you know, people who reach the age of 20 or 25 or 30, et cetera, and, and they don't understand basic money and financial principles. Um, and they end up oftentimes in debt or, you know, racking up all these credit cards, et cetera, or people don't understand just the basics of, obviously I'm a, I'm a big, uh, fitness junkie, but they don't understand yeah. that the basics of nutrition, just like just yeah. the, the basics, right? They don't know what a carb is. They don't know what protein is. They don't know how to gain weight or how to lose weight. They don't understand yeah. the importance of exercise, the importance of all these things. Cause to me, no matter what you go on and do, those things are going to affect your life. And actually, if you know how to manage money well, and you know how to manage your own physical health well, then, you know, you're, you're not going to get wiped out by the system, shall we say, because there's so many forces out there. Where, you know, there's so yeah. much consumerism in our culture. There's so much gluttony. Right? There's all this garbage food everywhere. It's great. If, if, it. Yeah. If, if you kind of just go with the flow, you're going to end up fat and broke, right? You're going to end up fat, broke and unhealthy. And you, and people need to be able to I think at least whether or not they follow it, I think mm. people should at least know that. I mean, I come across people my age who, I mean, I you know I wrote a whole book on nutrition and fitness, and it, it is for this yeah. reason. But it, it's it, it does blow my mind sometimes how little people know about these things, which are very very core. Well, I would say to that, it's just because they don't know it doesn't mean they weren't taught it. Uh, we teach nutrition in school, we teach PE all the way through our school. So everyone should have physical education. Everyone should have some basic understanding of nutrition. We teach very good uh, competency in math. So everyone should know how to manage their money. But none of that matters because it comes down to what you said. This should come from your family. Education in school should be supplemental to education at home. It's your family's job to teach you the ways of life is yeah. the school is there to support that and like i say supplemental but it's not there the state should never replace the family so oh, if agreed. we're adding oh, agreed. If, but if we're adding new things to the curriculum to fix these problems we're just sticking plasters on the mm. patches we need to get to the, to the core of issue and say why are families not passing on this knowledge what's going on in the family but structure I in think, this country i think oftentimes the families don't know you know how many parents how many parents have good money management um skills who even have the knowledge do they know how to invest do they know how to do their taxes uh, do you know they do they know how to get a mortgage etc so i i'm i it's funny because I'm, I'm totally i'm totally with you on like you know the, the state the government should absolutely not replace family but i'm also just looking at the world we live in and i'm like okay the parents don't know this stuff right the but it's a new problem isn't stuff, it so. you know we didn't used to have calculators and stuff and people yeah. knew, knew mental arithmetic and, mm. and how to get by. I think it's a very modern problem that we've kind of gotten lazy and no one kind of knows how to live anymore. Maybe so. I mean, I don't think it's just maths. I mean, I'd separate maths from money management. Um, mm. I, I think you could be very good at maths and be very terrible with money and finances or, or, or vice versa. Like you could be very good with money and finances and not, not really be the best mathematician. I just think it's a, uh, there's certain mindsets and principles, and you know, there's, there's lots of books people can read on this, and mm. they'll they'll get this knowledge. It's not stuff I always have, and I I say this myself because I I went to a great schools, I went to literally one of the best universities in the entire world, and they taught me not they taught me nothing about this subject. I, I learned nothing from it. Um, it wasn't until I was in my twenties and I started going out and reading recommended books, etc., and I was right. like, oh wow, why didn't I know that when I was like yeah. sixteen or eighteen or twenty one, etc. 
you have a point there. So there are a lot of things that I would call cultural capital, things that uh, certain families know about and pass on to the kids, but other families don't. Yeah. And I think that comes down to our class divide, which is very prevalent in the UK. And there's a, a book on this called Rich Dad Poor Dad. I don't know if you've read oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It talks a lot about this. And it's a lot of that is what, you know, I know you're friends with Catherine Burblesing as well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these... Uh, good schools like like Michaela are trying to fill that gap with cultural capital so plugging the gap of what the upper classes would know and pass on that maybe the working classes and lower middle classes wouldn't know to pass on so there you're right in that there is a case for schools to kind of assist in that area too Mm, gotcha Awesome, Calvin. You're, this is one of those ones that we, we could easily, easily do another hour, but I'm trying to keep it to around an hour. We'll definitely get you back on in the future. Um, but what do you have? Uh, is there anything that you've got coming up that you want people to know about? And also, where can people find you online? Um, follow me on Twitter at Calvin Robinson or Telegram at Calvin Politics. Uh, I've got a report coming out with Policy Exchange sometime soon on uh, decolonizing the curriculum and why that's not a thing that we need to be doing. Uh, just yeah, just follow me on social media and I'll drop the links out on there. Awesome. Calvin Robinson, thank you. Appreciate you coming on the show, man. An absolute pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.